shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakewood, Charles 478, Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Zebalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, this is it. Greetings and salutations, everyone. It's time once again to go Inside EMS, and we're really excited. I think we got a really great show, but I think I say that all the time, and I don't really know what makes it great. You know what? Maybe I do know what makes it great, and here it is. Kelly Grayson, are you out there? Come on in here and say hello to everybody. Howdy, folks. Chris, you are you are the carnival barker of EMS. Man. You like you, that? You really know how to do a build-up. And now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, EMS providers of all ages, it's once again time to go inside EMS. How's that? Yeah, and I'm the bearded lady. Really? All right. What are you doing later? <laughs> all right, I don't think I can get down there on time, so it doesn't make a difference. You know, so, Kelly, lots of things going on, man. A lot of exciting things happening <laughs> inside EMS. How was your week? Uh, it was great. You know, I... I made made use of my weekend off and and did a did home repairs and and a good bit of writing over the weekend so i actually got some stuff accomplished and i'm, I'm feeling semi-charged and energized sounds great to do with i guess we got some great news to talk about and, and we've got to kind of figure out the best way to do it but now inside ems is on itunes for everybody who's out there and uh go ahead and check us out on itunes and it would really be great if you guys could go out to those shows and rate us and, uh, you know, we, we uh, really appreciate it. You know, little by little, Kelly, our show has started to pick up uh, a lot of our, our a lot of fans, and, and we're getting a lot of uh, people that are going to the, the pages, and they're liking it. But now on iTunes, we'd really like to get some ratings going on. And I, I look at where we're going. I mean, and yep. we're even getting people now who are saying that they're listening to us internationally, which I think we got to get our passports in order in case we have to travel and uh, do some uh, live spots there. Yeah, yeah, that would that would be nice. We we need that in the travel budget. We we'll take it on the road, kind of like Top Gear, except without without me punching people. Yeah, that would be very very helpful. <laughs> we don't want that. You do carry weapons, so we do have to be careful about that. You know, one of the things that I think I really want to do is I've never been to the country of Louisiana, so I like to go down there and uh, hang out, see what's going on. Yeah, it's a it's a whole different country, man. We'll uh, we'll we'll show you what uh, what um, free America is really like. It would be really free America. It would really be interesting to see. But, you know, so we're going to start off, you know, uh, we're changing things up a little bit. And we do have a guest today. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about what the future of EMS is going to look like. You know, Kelly, you and I, we've talked about it before that we really need to start to think about how are we going to set ourselves apart when it comes to our, uh, you know, our agencies, when it comes to our care. The future of EMS, you know, we've talked about community paramedicine quite a bit. We've talked about uh, how we're going to have to now start to compete for some funding, the days of fee-for-service. As everyone knows out there that right now you put somebody on a stretcher, you take them to the hospital, and if it meets medical necessity, we get a bill for that. In the future, it's going to come down to patient outcomes. It's going to come down to patient satisfaction. And if we're just taking people to the hospital uh, via a cabulance, we're not going to to see that reimbursement that we need to see and there's going to be some challenges there but what are those measurements going to be and, and how are we going to keep ourselves yeah. uh, out in front of everybody else to say we really deserve some of this funding and with that i'm going to give you the honor of introducing our next guest yeah well you know pay for performance is on us and we, we talked before about how we need some realistic uh system benchmarks and and as to to what quantifies a, a good or a, a great EMS system, and and the measures we have right now are, are sadly lacking. You know, how do we how do we measure how well an EMS system uh, performs? 
one percent of our calls is it response times which which are we've set unrealistic standards for uh, in the first place we need a way to find out how we're doing as a system and and in that regard we have our our guest today Nick Nudell uh, who's going to talk to us about the EMS compass system and it's call for performance measures Nick welcome to the show hello there well thank you for having me we are excited that you're here and you know Kelly yeah. and I, we've, we've talked about this stuff Nick you know because we're in that transformation and no one really knows what EMS is going to look like but what we do know is the way that we're doing things today is not going to be yeah. the way that we need to do things in the future but before we get too deep in that just a little bit about yourself go ahead and share with the listeners who you are and then go ahead and jump right into the you know compass and and what that entails and and then we'll kind of take some questions from there and see how well uh, the conversation flows oh that sounds good i am a licensed paramedic i'm been licensed in montana since well for a long time and I, I started off in EMS as a volunteer in a very small town of Montana. Worked my way around with different jobs like many of us do. Nowadays, I'm spending most of my time working with EMS data systems and performance measures and project manager for the EMS Compass Initiative. We just got started in October and are hard at work trying to figure out what performance measurement in EMS should look like for the future. So Nick, tell us more about EMS Compass. Uh, who's behind it and, and what are their goals? The EMS Compass Initiative is a two-year cooperative agreement between NHTSA's Office of EMS and the National Association of State EMS Officials. <laughs> and the uh, NHTSA's Office of EMS is known to most people because of the work that they do to, to support EMS um, at the federal level, all of the, well, many of the federal programs for EMS come from the NHTSA Office of EMS. And most people, though, are probably less familiar with the National Association of State EMS Officials, also known as NSEMSO. Uh, NSEMSO is the organization that uh, represents and supports the state EMS offices. So the people at the state EMS office are the the ones that help you in your organization to, uh, they provide, oftentimes they provide grants and system development support, but they're more familiar to providers because that's where you get your EMS license from. Once you take your test, the state sends you a card. The, that card comes from your state EMS office. So that's, um, that's who NSEMSO is. So they've asked me to serve as the project manager of the EMS Compass Initiative, and we just got started in October. Uh, we're going to go through next October, so that's the two-year time span. And um, so it, it, things are, are hot and heavy with activity now. We have lots of meetings going on, a lot of things going on. Well, there's, there's really three things that we're trying to accomplish with the, the EMS Compass Initiative. First, we need to develop a way to design performance measures for EMS providers. We are, we are not the same as hospitals. We are not the same as physicians. We're not the same as the highway safety departments either. So, so what, what would be the best way to develop performance measures in EMS? That's, that's a number one um, task of ours. The second thing is to actually develop some performance measures using that process that we've identified. 
So that's kind of like building the train tracks with the train on the tracks. Um, we're, we're doing both of those steps right now. Right. And um, soon, uh, I would say probably early next year, people could start looking for the third thing that we're going to be doing. And that's to develop some material, some guidance for EMS providers and EMS agencies in how to use performance measures. So once you have these measures in hand, what do you do with them? How do you use them? How do you uh, describe them or explain them? Use them in your community to show the value of your EMS service to the community, to taxpayers, to to your uh, you know the hospitals or insurance companies, insurance companies, exactly. payers. Yeah, yes. let, me, let me ask you a question, Nick, because i got to tell you, I, I don't know that this is this is something that I would have undertaken as the project manager. You know, kudos to you, because how difficult was this even for you to, to think about conceiving? I mean, you think about EMS and, and its vastness of transfer service and, and fire-based and public utility models and, and third city services and hosp- you know, uh, how do you how do you build outcomes for all those different EMS models? That's a big challenge. Well, one thing that we have done to help is model our process after uh, another process that's used right now. And in fact, it's it's the process that Medicare requires um, all performance measures that Medicare would pay for to to follow. And it, there's a another organization that's called the National Quality Forum or NQF, and by federal law, that organization. Uh, is given the responsibility of uh, of managing performance measures on behalf of Medicare. So they they have a process, and we are really we're we're adapting their process to EMS. And it's it, it, you're right though; it's very complicated. Um, there's a there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes to try to to uh, make things less complicated so that it it'll work across the um, almost 19,000 different kinds of EMS services in the country. It's a big task. You know, Chris and I were, were discussing, you know, the the Herculean task of, of making some sense of these numbers, especially when when quite often we don't have the numbers. How, how do you data mine uh, if there's no ore in the mine? It's hard enough for a lot of you know QA people and, and EMS agencies to to get people to fill out the necessary stuff for billing, much less get all the other data that we need in there and and the elements of the minimum data set so that we have some some relevant numbers to go by. And you know we've uh, I, I don't envy you the task, man. It's it's going to be tough, but it's something that we need to do. It's something that other professions have already done. And I, I've just decided that Nick is Superman. By the way, but Nick is super. But anyway, I'm sorry, Kathy, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. You know, we well, you know, the the fire service has had something like this uh, for quite some time now. You know, and it, and it's time that some type of benchmarking and rating process comes to EMS. And you know, it's it's being imposed on us. The, the Affordable Care Act has has put pay for performance uh, at the forefront. Uh, 
we've been saying for a couple of years now that it's going to trickle down to us uh, through contracts and, and stuff like this with the hospitals where, where pay for performance is already being imposed. But as Nick said in 2018, uh, it's going to be a reality and most of healthcare is going to be based on, uh, healthcare reimbursement is going to be based on performance. But, you know, like right now you've got fire departments use ISO's uh, public protection classification as as both a, a set of performance benchmarks and a and a uh, uh, you know a PR tool they can they can tell their their constituents and their agency hey we need X amount of tax dollars because you know we, we need a class one for fire rating or we need to move from a class two to a class one and this is the money that it will save you in insurance ratings and that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that that you know performance measures and benchmarking is going to mean for EMS maybe not not through a, an agency such as ISO but it's the kind of thing that EMS agencies will be able to do in the future once we have these benchmarks set you know it'll be something that uh, a set of measures designed for EMS people who understand EMS systems instead of imposed upon us by people who have no clue what EMS actually does um, and and you can take that to your communities uh, conceivably in the future and say, hey, this is where we stack up to the rest of the EMS profession and, and this is why we need your, your tax dollars and your funding and so on and so forth to maintain the quality level of service that we have. That, that's a good point, Kelly. One of the, the key factors in the health reform aspect of this is to, to define value and it's value from the patient's perspective. So if you're that patient laying on the gurney how can you how do you know that the care that's being provided to you is the right care from a value perspective and you know just like you've mentioned before response times there's a lot of healthy debate out there right now on whether response times is a good indicator of quality for for an EMS organization let me let me put you on the spot do you think a response times are a good measure of quality for an EMS agency or will they be part of the outcomes how about that even that yeah. one <laughs> yeah that is putting me on the spot there you know there are some patients to which response times matter period you know it's kind of like period end of story some patients need a fast response time in order to live and yeah. I think you could easily make that argument for a certain kind of patient or certain numbers of patients, but not every patient. You know, that's what these measures are, are, are hopefully going to accomplish, correct, is to identify that subset of patients where for whom response time really matter and, and, and what response time is ideal for them. And the rest of them, you know, maybe they, maybe they don't matter. Maybe they can get by with response times, you know, like the cable guy. You know, next Tuesday between the hours of noon and 5 p.m. will will be there, right? Or you know, or it's Domino's Pizza in 30 yeah. minutes or less. But or, the, or it's free, 30 minutes or less, or it's free, which is happening <laughs> now anyway. So I guess we just might as well show up in 30 minutes. <laughs> well, you know, it's to that person who's choking and mm-hmm. needs somebody to do the Heimlich on them. 30 minutes isn't going to cut it. So yeah. how how do we find? So you're exactly right, Kelly. How do we find those patients where time matters? And how do we make sure that the, the measure of the performance of the EMS organization going to that person matters? Yeah. And that's really, that's really what it's all about. But, you know, th- you mentioned something else that sparked a thought. We have, there's one thing that's different in EMS 
than the rest of all of healthcare that's working in our favor. So although we have nearly 19,000 EMS services in the country, we have one way of um, sharing EMS data. The, the NEMSIS data, the National EMS Information System data standard is a single standard for how data regarding EMS patients is recorded and, and shared. That's different than all of healthcare where there's far fewer physicians and hospitals than there are EMS services and every single one of them has a different way of sharing their data so they don't have a single data standard that they use. So, so that gives us an advantage because right. we can much more easily define a performance measure, you know, a performance measure in Louisiana that could easily be compared to one in Montana or Idaho or New York or Florida. I get you. You know, it, it, it's comparing apples to oranges when you compare, for example, response times right. to to a rural EMS agency versus a, a high volume uh, urban system. Yeah, and I think the whole I think the whole components though of response times is when we talk about. And Nick, you said that some patients need a quicker response. When these yeah. response times were put into place, we didn't have the the interweb of first responders that we do now. You know, you look at these response times that these first responders are three and a half to, to five minutes of getting on scene. Does that mean that a responding unit still has to be there in eight minutes and 59 seconds? You know, but and I didn't mean to cut you off, Kelly, but it just kind of sparked a question. So, Nick, I, I want to go ahead and ask you this then. As you start to think about the, the variety of, of uh, you know, how big the United States is and, and the different calls, how do you narrow in on what those outcomes should be? I mean, is it the fact that uh, different regions will have different outcomes, different models will have different outcomes, or is it just going to be one set that the whole uh, EMS career field ha- has to now kind of look at? That's a, that's a good question, Chris. I, I think some of that has yet to be determined actually. There are a lot of measures that are in the works right now that are being built. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, so you know, let's just take the response time example since we've already been talking about it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were different categories of response times or ways, ways of calculating response time depending on the what we call the rurality how how rural an area is, but then you start to get into debates if you talk to somebody who's a New York City medic, because they also have some extended response times due to buildings and elevators that don't work and things like that. So, so it's hard to make wide sweeping generalizations just based off of how rural or or not an area is, because truthfully and I know this as a rural paramedic myself, the bulk of your calls in a rural area are in town. And in many of these towns, you know, you're within one or two miles of all of your calls, or most most of your calls. So you could have excellent response times in a rural area, and you could have excellent save rates or resuscitation rates or whatever whatever other measure comes out of this um, in a rural area. So just because you're in a rural area doesn't mean that your your patients are being served less than those in an urban area. Now that, that's an excellent point, Nick, and something I hadn't considered. I, I was about to make the point that, you know, you, you can't really compare, for example, cardiac arrest save rates 
with Seattle King County Medic One with with the you know EMS service in Cutbank, Montana, because uh, there you're comparing two different critters. But I, I didn't consider that you know even in a rural area, most of your calls uh, are going to be centered around your population centers. They're going to be in town. But there's other the, you know there's other things I, I would imagine come into play, and and they're still two vastly different systems. Uh, so you can't really draw adequate comparisons. But that's what the whole call for measures form is is for, right? Is so so that you you know, people in these varying EMS systems can can submit what they feel is is a uh, an accurate performance measure for their type of system. Would that be correct? That's that's absolutely correct, and that's that's why I'm here today is to let people know about the call for measures because we we really want to get the word out there because I know that there are paramedics and EMTs and emergency medical responders who are sitting out there today who know of good ways to measure their EMS system. They're thinking about it. It's the kind of thing where when you're in between calls, you sit and you talk to your partner or to your coworkers about what's going on. You compare notes on how well you're doing in certain areas of clinical care or difficult cases. Like the boots on the ground providers out there right. have have ideas on this and we would like to know what they are and the only way we're going to know is if if they were to submit them and and one of the things uh, before we get to the end nick i want you to give the the information of the folks that are listening out there how they can get that information to you but before we get there i i want to ask you because now you've gone over the first year and you say we're getting up now and in, in, into october next october of 15 i guess will be the second year how did you how did you begin this undertaking? I mean, you, you know, you've got a, a block of marble right there, and you've got a, a hammer in one hand, you got a chisel in the other. Where do you start with something like this? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's it. That's a good question. The, the last eight months have just flown by. What it what it really comes down to is having an excellent team of people who are working on it. And so far, you've only been been talking about me, but. And that's a, a little embarrassing because there are about 50 people who are actively working on the EMS Compass Initiative from uh, all walks of EMS, so to speak, and from people inside and outside of EMS. So we have uh, performance experts, uh, performance improvement experts, researchers. We, we do have physicians involved. We have paramedics, EMTs. Um, nurses, so a broad spectrum of backgrounds and levels of experience and, and perspectives. Also the different models of the EMS are represented from air medical services to rural EMS, fire-based, uh, third service, private, you know, they're, they're all represented. And so we spent the first few months just uh, trying to identify the right people to be on these different work groups and to get them up to speed on on what our mission is with the project so that they could be ready to get to work and they're actually the ones that are you know developing the measures and doing the hard work that it's going to take to to see this through so um, I'm very appreciative of all of their their support and their efforts in doing this. It's been a, a lot of work by a lot of different people. Yeah, so was that the first uh, you know, first step, kind of identify those stakeholders of who we're going to help out? 
Yes, yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, identifying the stakeholders to be actively involved, but then you know, as we as we got started with that, we realized we didn't have enough seats at the table, so to speak, for everybody that should be involved. So then we built into our, our process um, ways to get everybody involved, uh, even if they, they don't have a you know an appointed seat uh, on one of the committees. We've we've developed a, a way to um, involve many people, and uh, from field providers to management to medical directors, owners, operators. Uh, all kinds of people. Uh, we're ready for their input and their their help to get this to get this done because this really is about EMS and for EMS. And we we don't from the project perspective we're we're not approaching this as if we know everything and are going to tell everybody else what to do. We yeah. we're here to just facilitate the process. And and that's you know that that ties in with with something that Chris, a recurring theme throughout our show is is taking responsibility for the future of EMS and, and stewardship of the profession and here's a perfect opportunity for EMS providers to to have a say in shaping their future this is this is an EMS initiative founded and and supported by by EMS people and they're seeking your input on it on, on you know what makes a good EMS system and, and where where we should what we should be measuring and, and how we should respond to those measures in the future. You've got until May 31st uh, of this year. You've got uh, a little less than a month to submit those uh, those forms. Um, but this is this is the stewardship of your profession. Um, we need to take control of it and and decide what's relevant uh, in EMS rather than having that sort of thing imposed upon us by people who have never been in the back of a, an ambulance. Right. And and that's where we need to go and. Yeah, Kelly, I have to agree with you 100%. But, Nick, let me ask you one more question as we start to get up here in time. And, you know, we talk a lot about community paramedicine. And, uh, you know, Kelly from the provider side, me from the EMS leader side, as you start to think about these, uh, uh, you know, these outcomes, is there thought about developing those for community paramedicine? How does this fit into that model or into that transformation? Or is it just you're looking at just the, from the provider side of the EMS, uh, you know, the EMS side that we run? Is, is that part of that consideration? It, it is, actually. Um, I recently met with a group of people that are working on performance measures specifically for community paramedicine and um, one, one of the fundamental aspects of a performance measure is that there needs to be evidence to support the performance measure. So there needs to be some research that's been conducted to say that, uh, you know, XYZ procedure is the right procedure to do for a patient. Today, right now, the community paramedic organizations are uh, collecting the evidence and are working towards being able to publish their findings, but there there hasn't been a lot of um, evidence published to date. So so they're working on that so that in the future they'll be ready to develop the performance measures that that would be used for community paramedicine. Nick, you know, once again, brother, thanks for coming on the show. You know, you and I have known each other for years and, and sparred quite a bit in, in online forums, but I applaud what you're doing here. 
this is something that, that everyone in EMS needs to support. So I would urge you, get your uh, performance measures, uh, your call for measures form in by May the 31st. Help Nick out with this uh, with this EMS Compass project. And uh, thank you for coming on the show, man. It was a pleasure having you. Oh, thank you so much, Kelly. I, I really appreciate it. And Chris, you too. And just for for folks' awareness, the, the website emscompass.org is where you would go to submit a measure and there are also, there's also a place there where you can put your name in and, and be added to a mailing list so when there are other activities coming up, other opportunities to be involved, you'll be notified. We also have a Facebook page, uh, EMS Compass. We're on Twitter and a hashtag of EMS Compass and we're also now on LinkedIn. We're trying to make it as easy as possible for for um, field providers all over the country to get involved, stay involved, be involved. That's awesome, Nick. Right. And Kelly, when he says to submit a measure, he's talking about an EMS measure. I, oh, I don't want you submitting no. any other measures on this website. But go ahead and, uh, Nick, thank you for joining us. Always great. Uh, please come back and join us. Let us know how this endeavor goes. And, Kelly, get us out of here. Guys, thanks for thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS and and Nick, thanks for being on the show. And as uh, as always, folks, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. And now you can follow us on iTunes. Uh, go to iTunes in the in the show links that we'll provide, and you can you can download our podcast for listening at your own leisure uh, on those lonely post assignments at night. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes as well. That makes a, a big difference to our sponsors and advertisers. Uh, and for myself, co-host Chris Ceballero, and our special guest, Nick Rudell, uh, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS, and we'll catch you guys next week.